Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lenz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. Learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com. Now here's part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 32 called The Golden Calf. Why did he make a calf? Why a golden calf? Well, it's something that he knew. He came from a land where the calf was worshipped. Maybe this is the only thing that he could think of in terms of a form, or at least maybe it was the most prominent one that he could think of. And so he makes this golden calf, fashions it with a tool, and then the people respond with these words. They said, this is your God, O Israel, who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Can you imagine being Aaron? And you know, you've walked this out to the point where you've actually constructed an idol. And then the people acclaim the God, the false God. And I don't know what Aaron's emotions must have been, but I think Aaron must have dropped his head in shame. This is not our God. Our God is up on the mountaintop giving Moses instructions. By the way, the first two commandments that he's going to walk down with are, I'm the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall have no other gods before me. And the second commandment is, don't make an idol and bow down to it. Oy vey. The first two they've already blown. And that's why when Moses comes down with the tablets, he throws them to the ground and smashes them because that's essentially what they did with the law of God. They smashed the ketubah. They smashed the covenant. They they wrecked it. And so Moses' actions are in keeping with what happened here. Isaiah 40 puts it this way when it comes to idols. It says, to whom then will you liken God? Isaiah 40, 18 What likeness will you compare with him? As for the idol, a craftsman casts it, a goldsmith plates it with gold, and a silversmith fashions chains of silver. He who is too poor for such an offering selects a tree that does not rot. He seeks out for himself a skillful craftsman to prepare an idol that will not totter. Habakkuk 2, 18 through 20 says this, What profit is the idol when its maker has carved it? Or an image, a teacher of falsehood? For its maker trusts in his own handiwork when he fashions speechless idols. Woe to him who says to a piece of wood, Awake! Or to a dumb stone, Arise! And that is your teacher. Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver. There is no breath at all inside of it. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Habakkuk 2, 18 through 20. And so now... They have a cow. One writer put it this way, don't have a cow. (laughs) People often in our culture, they say, holy cow, right? Well, this is an unholy cow. And in Egypt, they had some special quarters for the bull. It was one of their many gods and goddesses. And it had a special precinct. And if you recall, if you were back with us some time ago, I showed you mummified pictures 
You know how they've, they've found the tombs of some pharaohs and they're mummified and they're wrapped in all this cloth and, and they've found the treasures and so forth? Well, they have also found in excavations mummified bulls wrapped and mummified because this was something that the Egyptians worshipped to the degree that they would even treat them as they treated the pharaohs. Weird, right? But true. And so Aaron makes the golden calf, fashions it. Uh, Shane, you preached on Oholiab and Bezalel, right? And they were supposed to make the items for the tabernacle, construct it. I sure hope that Aaron didn't call them to help with this. Because God had set aside Oholiab and Bezalel to make the holy furnishings of the temple, not to make some golden calf. Not to use their skills to make something like this, which God would call an abomination. And there's an application there for us as well. That we shouldn't take our skills that God has given us and use them for abominable things. There are going to be some things in culture that are neutral, of course. Some of you, you know, you, you, work, you work in the secular world and some things are just simply neutral. But don't take the gifts that God has given you and turn them in to create idols that are abominable. I had a discussion with a, a guy at the gym, this is a while back, and I was prying a little bit, asking him questions, and he was taking some positions on culture and morality that were certainly not biblical, not what we would call Christian. And so I pressed him a little bit as to why he had uh, come to those conclusions. And he told me that he had used to be a Christian, but he had some real issues with, you know, uh, what the church believed. And, you know, it was all the typical stuff, hypocrites and boy, we're too hard on people and da, 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 da. So he said, yeah, I was once a believer and I walked away. And then I found out in the midst of the conversation that he was working at an establishment that he wasn't particularly proud of. And it was a dilemma for him. I could see it in his eyes that, you know, he still, he had the knowledge of God there and he, he was there at this place. I'll just put it this way. Not a very godly place. About the opposite of what you would consider walking into a church. It was about the opposite of that. And he seemed like a brick wall. It was me and another guy that we often would witness together to people. And he, he, we couldn't penetrate anything. He shot down everything you know, calloused, uh, defiant almost. And then I saw him a couple months later. And he had given his heart back to the Lord, quit that job, and was walking with Christ again. And when I talked to him, I thought, this guy is about as far from the kingdom of God as one could ever be. But right underneath the surface was a man who knew better, a man who had gone back to Egypt with a ton of regrets, and he, and he knew he was in the wrong place. And so he just got kind of a friendly prompting. You could call it a, a nudge from the spirit. And I left there thinking I had not even penetrated one iota of this guy's you know, life. But he was thinking about what had happened. And when Aaron saw this, that is the calf that he had constructed and the people's acclaiming the God. This is the God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. He built an altar before it, verse 5, and Aaron made a proclamation of his own. And he said, tomorrow shall be what? A feast to the Lord. 
Now, for those of you who've been around for any time, I keep telling you, anytime you see the Lord in that all caps there, that's the covenant name of God that is Yahweh. And what Aaron does here is he realizes, I believe, that he has baptized blasphemy. He's baptized a synchronistic approach to worship. He's, he's constructed an idol. And I think you see Aaron backpedaling here a little bit, trying to save it, if you will, and says something like this. Okay, we, I made your God for you. Here it is. And tomorrow we're going to have a feast, but we'll have a feast to what? To who? To the Lord. To the covenant name Yahweh. Aaron is trying to recover this whole scene. But God said, when you make an idol like this and try to worship it alongside of me, I won't have it. God does not believe in smorgasbord approaches to worship. A little bit of this from over here, a little bit of that. No, he wants your exclusive allegiance. One God, monotheism, not multiple gods, not we'll we'll worship the bull along with Yahweh. No, 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 no. It doesn't work that way. But this is what Aaron does because this is pretty much all that Aaron has. The calf is there. The people are excited. And so he says, okay, here's what we'll do. Tomorrow we'll have a feast. Now you all know that Israel has seven feasts on their religious calendar, Leviticus 23. They've already celebrated the feast of Passover. We know they went out during the Passover, out from Egypt. So a feast is a logical thing in Yahweh's uh, worship and celebration, but not with a golden calf sitting there. And this is another point I want to make to you. And this is largely our culture. Now think about it. People will say, God bless you. They will say, I'm blessed. We will have speeches with God bless uh, the United States of America. We'll have God bless you when you sneeze. (laughs) You get it, right? We have a culture very much founded in the Judeo-Christian ethics and scriptures. Yet we have a culture who wants in one hand to have the golden calf and yet also bring Yahweh into it. Of course, especially when they need him. Perhaps at major holidays too, we'll go into the malls and the, the, the carols will play of one born in a manger one who is mighty God, wonderful counselor, everlasting father, prince of peace. You know what I'm saying, right? But the culture says we want the golden calf. And yeah, we'll proclaim a festival to the Lord, to Yahweh, right? But it just doesn't work that way. And this is something that's happened a couple times in our Bible. I want to give you a couple interesting cross-references. Don't have to turn there. After Gideon won his uh, mighty battle with the Lord doing all of it, Gideon took some uh, gold from all the people, gold earrings. This is Judges 8, 23 through 27. And the people said, we want you to be our leader. Gideon said, no, but you can give me some gold. So they gave 1,700 shekels of gold they threw them on a, a garment, and Gideon, Judges 8.27, made it into an ephod, placed it in his city, the city is Ophrah, and all Israel played the harlot with it there, so that it became a snare to Gideon 
and his household, Judges 8.27. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. You can watch Pastor Michael's teachings in their entirety. 19 chapters later, you're off the hook. We know sometimes you hear Pastor Michael mention slides, and we have made sure you have access to all the videos from his Sunday teachings. The modern application could be the power of the sword with, for example, a police officer. Watching the videos can also be a good way to see how animated Pastor Michael can be on stage. Even if you have to gulp after you've prayed it. And Lord, one more thing, not my will. You can watch the video from today's teaching when you visit walkintruth.com. We also live stream one of our Sunday morning services. Pastor Michael prefers you attend your church Sunday mornings or visit our church, Living Truth Christian Fellowship, as fellowship is important. But you are invited to watch the 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time service anytime. Jesus is coming again. Do you believe it? To watch Pastor Michael's teachings and to follow our YouTube channel for live streams, you can find the links and information on walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. And this is something that's happened a couple times in our Bible. I want to give you a couple interesting cross-references. Don't have to turn there. After Gideon won his uh, mighty battle with the Lord doing all of it, Gideon took some uh, gold from all the people, gold earrings. This is Judges 8, 23 through 27. And the people said, we want you to be our leader. Gideon said, no, but you can give me some gold. So they gave 1,700 shekels of gold. They threw them on a, a garment, and Gideon, Judges 8.27, made it into an ephod, placed it in his city, the city is Ophrah, and all Israel played the harlot with it there, so that it became a snare to Gideon and his household, Judges 8.27. Ju- so here it is, Gideon wins this incredible victory with just 300 soldiers, God's power, God's majesty. And the people say, you're a great guy, Gideon. We want you to be our leader. Oh, no, 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 I can't do that. But I will take a little silver and gold, a little silver and gold. We'll, we'll pass the hat here. And they pass it around, and they create an ephod. And the ephod became a stumbling block for the people of Israel. This is 1 Kings 12, 28. This is Jeroboam, afraid that Rehoboam would get all the the, the uh, people following him. So the king consulted and made two golden calves, 1 Kings twelve twenty eight, and he said to them, is it too much for you to go up to Jerusalem? Behold, your gods, O Israel, that brought you up from the land of Egypt, 1 Kings twelve twenty eight, And they had one in Dan up in the north and one in Bethel down south, and the people worshiped the golden calf. You've heard it said, there's nothing new <laughs> under the sun right? And the golden calves look different today, but we kind of know what they are, right? Why would Jeroboam follow Aaron's folly? Why did he not learn the lesson? Final verse for tonight. And so the next day, they rose early, the people did, and here's what they did. Now, Aaron had called for the feast, right? 
the next day. And so he said, tomorrow we'll have a feast. And so the people rose up early. They offered burnt offerings, which had been uh, laid out to be offered to the Lord. Peace offerings, another offering from Leviticus. And the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. If you have an NIV, it says to indulge in revelry. The word for play here is the Hebrew word tasak. It means to laugh, to mock, to make sport of or toy with. The Hebrew word sometimes has sexual overtones in the idea of caressing or, or even uh, sexual intimacy. It could will be walked out to that. And so the people did some things that would be typical of a feast. They, they gave uh, burnt offerings, peace offerings, eating and drinking, nothing surprising there. Unless, unless they were overdoing it. And then here's the last part. They rose up to play or to indulge in revelry. Now, if some of you have seen the Cecil B. DeMille's The Ten Commandments. He shows the people around the golden calf and they're all dancing around and it looks like they're drinking to excess and there's some implied things there. But we don't know for sure exactly what they were doing. But we have two New Testament commentaries on this passage, and we're done, says the preacher. The first one is Acts 7. New Testament is going to comment on this. So here's Stephen preaching to the Sanhedrin, a radical, fiery sermon about their past and their mistakes. And here's what he says, Acts 7, verse 39. He says, our fathers were unwilling to be obedient to him, but repudiated him, and in their hearts, Acts 7.39, what did they do? In their hearts, they turned back to Egypt. And just pause there for a second. Stephen diagnoses the problem. Their heart was the problem. Ezekiel 14.3 talks about that we create idols in our hearts that stumble us. Well, Acts 7.39 says, their hearts turned back there. And they said to Aaron, make for us gods, notice, who will go before us. For this Moses who has led us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. At that time, they made a calf and brought a sacrifice to the idol and were rejoicing in the works of their hands. But God turned away and delivered them up to serve the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets, It was not to me that you offered victims and sacrifices 40 years in the wilderness, was it, O house of Israel? You also took along the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of the god of Ramphi. The images which you made to worship, I also remove you beyond Babylon. Our fathers had the tabernacle of testimony in the wilderness. Just as he spoke to Moses, to Moses directed him to make it according to the pattern which he had seen. And then a little bit more, you know, um, chastening or chastising of them. And then he says these words in verse 51. You men who are stiff-necked and uncircumcised, where? In heart and ears, are always resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. They had not learned the lesson. They had turned aside to Egypt in their hearts. Their God, with a small g, was now the temple facilities. And their religious system 
but not the God of the Bible. The Messiah had come into their midst and risen from the dead, and yet they were still rejecting the truth of the gospel. Now, the one other that we've touched on is in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's go there, and we'll end tonight with this. Uh, Alex had shared a prayer from Nehemiah 9 that you might want to read on your own. Uh, Nehemiah 9, uh, about repentance over these things, which I think would be a good um, devotion this week. Nehemiah 9, 13 through 20. So just maybe read that on your own. But this is the last section I want to show you. And this is the mention of this scene in commentary from the Apostle Paul. He says these words. Now, 1 Corinthians 10, 6, these things happen as examples for us so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were, as it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in one day. Now that's from Numbers 25. 3,000 fell as a result of this sin in in, uh, Exodus. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did, and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stands take heed that he does not fall. No temptation has overtaken you but such as is common to man. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able but with the t- temptation will provide the way of escape so that you will be able to endure it. Therefore, my beloved, what your Bible say? Flee from idolatry. You've been listening to The Golden Calf, Part 3 on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 32, 1-6. If you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on Spotify, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. We would love it if you joined us this Sunday morning for church service at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona. Now, you can do that whether you live in Southern California or not. We live stream our 1030 a.m. service, but if you're in the area, we'd actually prefer if you can come in and fellowship. You can get service and live stream information when you visit walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, the bottom line of this teaching on the golden calf is that when we go back to our idols, it always costs us something, doesn't it? A lot of people died that day. The the people drank that terrible mixture of water that the golden calf had been ground down. This this was an ugly scene. That's why even in the New Testament, First John says, "Flee from idols," and that's a New Testament book. Idols are a very real struggle for all of us. They have different forms today, no doubt, but they may not be a statue you bow down to, but it could be anything. As you know, idols do stumble. And that's why we need to stay close to the living God, forsake our idols and and serve the one true and living God. And when we do that, when we walk in his way, when we serve the God who is life, and we don't try to serve God and mammon, we'll be doing well. We're not always going to hit the mark. That's why we have grace. But the more we forsake our idols and trust and walk in the living God, 
the better and more fruitful our lives will be. Well, here we are on the weekend, and I pray you have a great weekend and that you'll be serving in your local fellowship on Sunday. For those of you who are part of our local fellowship, it's Living Truth Christian Fellowship in the city of Corona, right off the 91 freeway and Lincoln Avenue, kind of right where the 91 and 15 freeways intersect. Hey, if you want to come out and check out the church, we do Sunday morning services at 8.30 a.m., 10.30 a.m., and a Spanish service at 1 p.m. So if you want to come out and check out the church, if you're anywhere within driving distance of the Inland Empire, uh, come on out. We would love to have you. I'd love to meet you. I'd love to meet our radio listeners, our listening family. Join us for one of those services. You can find out directions, service times, what's available for the kiddos and all that good stuff. Walkintruth.com. Just click on that church tab. Walkintruth.com. Click on the church tab. On Monday, we'll be getting into the great scene where Moses intercedes for the people. It is an incredible picture of a man who is willing to lay down his life for his nation, even though they've been difficult and a great picture of the ultimate intercessor, Christ Jesus. That's Monday. Hey, tell a friend about what you're hearing. I pray you'll have a tremendous weekend. God bless you, and we'll see you on Monday. And don't forget that Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry. Your financial partnership helps us broadcast on this station and provide the podcast for free. Also, more people like you can dive deeper into the Word of God and apply it to their life please consider becoming a Walk in Truth monthly partner of at least $10 a month. Or you can always give a one-time gift. Please visit walkintruth.com to give. And join us Monday for Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 32, 7-14, called An Invitation to Intercession. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.